Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Thursday, December the 9th. I'm Richard Woolley, editor in Reorg's London office, and today we're going to hear from senior financial analyst Noor Seher and senior legal analyst Shan Qureshi about German gaming group Low and Play. We're also going to catch up with senior reporter Aurelia Seidelhofer about UK consumer loans provider Amigo. Low and Play announced a restructuring proposal last week and has signed a non-binding tear sheet with an ad hoc committee of more than 80% of its bondholders. Noor, perhaps you could start us off uh, by talking about why the group needed to restructure in the first place and um, why their planned refinancing failed. Thanks, Richard. Loan Play is a gaming company which operates retail gaming arcades in Germany. The group's performance was severely affected by COVID-related restrictions, which initially led to arcade closures and then imposed capacity restrictions when arcades opened. This led to a decline in EBITDA and an increase in leverage just ahead of the 350 million 2022 bond maturity. The group was still confident of a refinancing till September. However, the deal collapsed. The refi was supposed to include 10 million of equity from the sponsor Audien, a first lien bond with a higher coupon and a 50 million second lien bond with part cash and part pit coupon. The deal failed as management felt the higher coupon on the refinance debt was not sustainable for the business. The failure of the refinancing then led the group to restructure. Okay, and what does this proposed restructuring involve? So the restructuring proposal will result in the 350 million 2022 senior secured notes being reinstated as 20 million 2025 senior secured notes and 130 million hold copic notes. The hold copic notes will sit outside of the existing restricted group. Further, bondholders will provide 30 million of new money in form of SSNs and will take 95% of equity in the group. The group's 40 million senior secured RCF will be repaid. Loan Play said that the proposed transaction will result in a 2.3 times reduction in pro forma net leverage for the OPCO group. However, total leverage through the Holdco would still remain unchanged at 5.8 times. So if the Holdco leverage stays the same, would that leave the structure over-levered, do you think? What, what's your general view of the deal? In my view, the deal leaves the structure over-levered through the Holdco debt level. In addition, the higher interest rate on the 220 million reinstated senior secured notes alongside the 30 million new senior secured notes would mean that the group would be unable to generate meaning, meaningful levered free cash flow to delever in the medium term. Some people are talking about a par plus recovery here, but in my view, that is not the best way to look at it. I think the OPCO debt will likely get refinanced down the line, but as leverage through the picks will stay high, they will likely get converted into preferred equity at maturity. Under such a scenario, the IRR would be 7-10%, to 10%, assuming a sale of the business in 2026. In my view, the IRR is just not enough to offset the risk of material value being stuck in illiquid equity, which only materializes upon the sale of the company. As far as I understand, this is not a business which attracts many buyers, and the current sponsor was actually unable to sell the company or find an exit for more than a decade. Turning to the legal side then, uh, Shan, what are the next steps for the implementation of the deal? Thanks, Richard. Yes, so the group has signed a non-binding term sheet with its ad hoc committee. Uh, That committee represents just over 80% of existing senior secured noteholders. The next step for the group would be to sign a lock-up agreement before the December holiday season, after which the group intends to implement the restructuring via a consensus solicitation 
or an exchange offer process. The group has also said that it could use an English scheme of arrangement as an alternative. Uh, the closing of the restructuring is expected to be in the first quarter of 2022. Okay, and it sounds like a fairly bondholder friendly deal so far. Um, what have the shareholders got out of it? And um, why have they just, I suppose, handed over the keys? Yes, exactly. So the bondholders, the senior secured bondholders, appear to have just been given equity without taking any real haircut. The post-reorganisation equity of the company will be 95% owned by bondholders, split between Class A and Class B shares, with the remaining 5% held by existing shareholders. Once the bondholders have made a 25% IRR, the upside split on the equity will be adjusted to 75% bondholders and 25% existing shareholders. There's also a further anti-embarrassment structure until June 2023, which provides existing shareholders with a 50-50 upside sharing once bondholders have made the 25% IAR, which, as I said, expires in uh, June 2023. Now, there hasn't been any event of default on the notes, uh, so essentially there, there hasn't yet been an enforcement event. Thanks, Shan. Nor, why do you think Ardian's uh, happy to give up control? I think Ardian just wanted an exit and did not want to put more money into the business. In the refinancing deal, the sponsor only agreed to put in 10 million of equity compared to 30 million of new money coming from bondholders as per the restructuring proposal. Ardian has owned this business for about 13 years and has not been able to exit. It took most of its cash equity out through a 198 million dividend when Low and Play issued its 350 million bond in 2017. So in my view, the sponsor gave up control as it didn't want to put substantial new money in an investment it hasn't been able to exit for more than a decade. UK consumer lender Amigo has made a second restructuring proposal to deal with its customer redress claims. The plan is to propose two schemes of arrangement to the court. Aurelia, can you tell us a bit more about what these two schemes would look like? Hi, Richard. Yes, so as you say, this is Amigo's second attempt to limit the amount of redress claims that it would have to pay to former customers because of its past lending practices. The company said that if it can't find a restructuring solutions for these claims, then it would have to file for insolvency. The group's first attempt was in June this year, but the court rejected the proposed scheme. And the new plan is to submit two alternative schemes to the court. The first one is called a new business scheme, and it would be conditional upon the company being able to secure around £300 million in financing split between equity and debt. Uh, the amount is not entirely sure yet, but that's sort of the ballpark number. It would also need a financial conduct authority approval to restart lending, so approval from the regulator. And realistically, the company would probably also need a satisfactory response from the FCA about a separate ongoing investigation into past lending practices to complete this capital raise. So as far as we understand, the recovery for the redress creditors would be better in this scenario, so in the new business uh, scheme, than in the alternative. So this is the second option, which would be a wind-down scheme. In this option, the regulated entity, so Amigo, would be wound down <coughs> and the group said that it would look to restart lending from a different entity in this case. 
Okay, and how would this work in practice in the court with, with two options? Yeah, so Amigo is going to ask its redress creditors to approve both the new business scheme and this wind-down scheme. An independent customer committee has agreed that the new business scheme provides a better recovery, so it appears that this is the preferred option by both the company and its creditors. So they will go and ask the judge to sanction the option for the new business scheme first. If the court does not want to sanction the new business scheme, then they would ask it to sanction a wind-down scheme instead. And neither of these gets approved. Um, the group would likely file for insolvency. So what would happen if the conditions you mentioned, the extra 300 million and, and the FCA approval to restart lending don't materialise? Yes, it's a tricky situation. So the new business scheme would likely have a wind-down option baked in in case the company fails to raise financing or doesn't get FCA approval to restart lending. Uh, there are even some other schemes, um, so past examples, where there was sort of this optionality baked in. So that's definitely possible. And as you said, the group's first uh, attempt at limiting these claims didn't really work out. What, what were the issues that led to the rejection of that scheme? Yes, so that's an important question. Um, in June, the group had approval from its creditors for the scheme they were proposing. However, Justice Miles commented that the redress creditors lacked the necessary information or experience to enable them to properly appreciate the alternative options reasonable available to them. I mean, if we think about the creditors in this instance, they are just Amigos' current or past customers and not sophisticated distressed debt funds who would potentially do a debt for equity swap or the like. And as we all know, restructuring situations are often very complex and hard to understand for people who haven't, haven't worked in this field. So from my perspective, it's understandable why the judge argued that it's just very difficult for, for these creditors to appreciate what options are there. So the scheme in the end was not approved by the court. Um, it was found to be too generous to the group's shareholders and unfair to the redress creditors by the judge. Another major factor for the failure was also that the regulator, the FCA, decided to oppose the scheme in court. And on top of that, the judge highlighted that the claimants would only recover about 10% of their claim, while Amigo's shareholders would have been allowed to rent their full stake. And another problem was that the judge thought that not sanctioning the scheme would not lead to the imminent insolvency of the group. So that the imminent insolvency was not the correct relevant alternative, which is obviously um, a condition for the judge to be able to sanction the scheme. And what's the FCA stance on the new proposal? It is very tricky for the regulator, the FCA, to formally approve the scheme because, well, the main point of the scheme is that Amigos customers will get less from these redress claims which is obviously not really great from a regulator's perspective because they're trying to protect customers' rights. However, if the FCA does not formally oppose the scheme, that would already likely be all right. Um, if we look at a similar situation, Provident Financial, that's a company that is also active in consumer lending, and they also use the scheme to limit compensation payments, which was successful. 
In this case, a key difference was that the FCA decided not to appear in court and oppose the scheme. However, it also didn't formally approve the scheme. But there is a slight difference in the sense that Provident um, is, was a wind-down process, whereas what Amigo is proposing, or the preferred option, is um, a new business scheme, right? What is different with the new Amigo proposal is, however, that the shareholders are taking a hit time this time. And um, we also saw the share price decline on the announcement of the new proposal for the scheme. So we can definitely see that there's some pain to be taken uh, for these stakeholders. And what's also better in some way is that the group is making a high initial cash contribution to the scheme which would likely improve the recovery for creditors. And what about the bondholders? Are they part of the scheme? The situation for the bonds in regards to the scheme has not really changed much compared to the previous um, instance. They're not really part of the scheme, so they don't really get to have a say on anything, although there's likely to be a fairness opinion about the treatment of the bonds. However, what we have to note here is that <clears throat> based on the current situation, the bondholders are likely to recover at par. So the group has more than £230 million in cash and there's still a loan book of about £200 million, according to the recent numbers, which continues to run off and obviously you know, generates cash for the company. The outstanding bonds amount to about £230 million. So since there's not really any debt ahead of the bonds at the moment, um, if you do the math, math, the bonds would recover at par in a liquidation scenario. And if we, if we go through the options, what is likely to happen, they could potentially get refinanced if the company raises new financing uh, via the capital raise and the debt uh, financing. What the company has also said recently is that it would consider repaying some of the bonds with cash. So the outstanding amount is likely to reduce um, anyway by uh, before the scheme or after the scheme. As always, you can read more about these situations, including a waterfall model on low and play, which was published earlier today on our website, reorg.com. We'll be back in the new year with another Reorg Europe podcast, but until then, stay safe, happy holidays, and thank you very much for listening.